Love, marriage, turmoil, one very, very troubling night, and a pickup truck. This week on Tempest. I am David Obachowski, and welcome to Tempest, a series that explores our hilarious and heartbreaking and complicated relationships with the things that move us. In this episode, well, this definitely has its fair share of heartbreaking and complicated. First of all, I didn't set out to make this episode. I set out to make an episode about cars and sex, and this was one of the stories that was going to be featured in it. But as it was told to me, I realized how much bigger this story is, and so I'm tabling the Cars and Sex episode for the time being. In its place, this one. The true account of a breakup and a pickup, and the very eerie, disturbing, and awful night Greta learned the truth. Greta. That's not her real name. None of the names in this episode are real, and a few minor details have been changed as well for Greta's protection. I'll also warn you that this episode features some strong language and deals with domestic violence, so please be warned and proceed accordingly. We'll start right after this break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, we begin with a rhetorical question. Have you ever felt like when you're in a when you're in a car alone or with someone, it's like the rest of the world is shut out and like it's it's like a little vacation. Like you're I don't know, it's like a little um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Not oasis, but like a little um sanctuary, like where everything's everything's literally shut out. And it, and it was like it was almost like one of the places that that we fell in love in. So who is the we in this story? Well, it's Greta and Richard. That was Greta who was speaking. Richard, you're going to learn more about him as the story goes on. That vehicle she's talking about, it's a pickup truck, which somehow has nothing at all and everything to do with what you're about to hear. So I won't go too far back into the backstory, but Richard and I were madly in love for, for several years, and and we really did have a really great stint together. I won't negate that. Um, at this point where I'm going to start telling the story, we've been married for about three years and we have a two-year-old. And um, so, and a little bit of backstory too, that kind of ties into the vehicle is that I've always had this right or wrong, really strong um, association of pickup trucks with masculinity. I mean, that's what my dad always drove. It's what my brother drove. Like all the, all the men that I like that took care of me, that loved me, that I looked up to always drove pickup trucks. And so I have this emotional, mental, and like visceral connection with like love and pickup trucks and it's just kind of how it's always been that word she just used visceral that's a word she says again later on and it's a word that she used when we spoke before i interviewed her 
As I said, this episode was supposed to be about cars and sex, and that's why Greta approached me. She told me she had a story that fit that bill. But when she thinks about that subject, that memory, she uses the word visceral. So naturally, the man that I fall in love with is a pickup-driving cowboy. And throughout the course of our relationship leading up to this particular event, um, he's driven a pickup truck, and we have had sex in the pickup truck. We've taken romantic road trips. We've, you know, this truck has been kind of like along for the ride for our whole relationship. So that's some backstory. But at this point, Greta and Richard have been married for a few years, and they have a little girl. We're we're in we've got a toddler and we're married and earlier in the year, really abruptly, Richard decides that announces one morning that he doesn't think he wants to be married any longer. Just kind of offhand. <laughs> and the next several months entail a lot of um him in and out of the house. We try some counseling. Um it's it's all very like unclear what's going on. It's all pretty half-hearted attempts when he does come back and kind of try to be, you know, be present in our marriage or make it work. Um, so this is from like February to July, this is going on. And as you can imagine, it was a terrible time. I mean, I was at like at a loss for what was going on with my marriage and my husband. I was living alone, alone with our toddler in our uh, tiny little farmhouse on a few acres, um, working full-time and commuting it was it was rough. <laughs> Greta did her best to stay positive, all the while grappling with the mystery of why her marriage had unraveled. And though the days were long, winter had given way to spring, and then spring to summer. That's when the rest of this takes place, in the summer. Friday night, I was home uh, with our toddler, hadn't had any contact with Richard, which was, was normal. Um, had a nice evening with the baby, and my phone started ringing. And it's Richard, and he's calling and calling and calling, and I'm literally like in my nightgown in bed, and and he's like, I'm I'm coming by the house, and it's like nine at nine or nine thirty at night, and I'm like, no, like I I'm going to bed, like I could, it kind of sounded like he'd maybe been drinking, but I was like, you know, we haven't talked like in really in weeks, like what do you need to come by right now to talk about, you know, like this isn't this isn't a good time like and he's insisting and he's insisting and I'm like you know I can't stop you from coming here but like I'm going to bed and so she does or at least tries to because it's summer it's hot and there's no AC in the little farmhouse so Greta has the windows open maybe it's the heat or maybe it was the phone calls but Greta tosses and turns until finally sure enough I hear that like super distinct sound of the Chevy diesel engine pull into the drive and I wait for him to like you know I wait to hear his boots on the wooden front porch and I don't um he's just like I don't even hear like the truck door open and close he pulls in but then he just sits there and so I lay there for a while like thinking like okay he's gonna come in he's gonna come in and we'll talk whatever this is gonna be he doesn't come in and so I get a little weirded out, so I get up out of the out of bed and I go look out the kitchen window where I can see the driveway. And the truck's there, of course, and he's he's sitting in the driver's seat and he's just sitting there. And so I I call my brother and and his and his my big brother and I'm like, "Look, this is what's going on. I don't 
really know what to do. Like, this is kind of weird. And he's like, ah, just ignore him. You know, like, let him sit there, whatever. And I'm like, well, all right, like, I guess. So I'm kind of talking on the phone to my brother, trying to figure out what to do. And while I'm on the phone with him, I see Richard get out of his pickup finally. And he walks around the front of the house to the other side of the house where my vehicle is parked. And like I said, we lived out in the country and it was pretty common practice to, um, I would just leave my keys and my purse like in the car unlocked. And I know that sounds really dumb, but that's where we lived. That was okay to do. We did it for years and it was fine. So he walks over to my vehicle and he goes in and like does something in my car and then shuts the door and walks away and gets back in his truck. He still doesn't come to the door. So I'm like, that's really weird. I wonder, wonder what he was doing in my car. So I go outside and go to my car and it's locked. He's taken the keys and locked my car and gotten back in his pickup. Greta approaches his truck, but he rolls up the window, refusing to speak with her. You know, I was a little uncomfortable to begin with, but now I'm like, well, what's that about? Like, A, his truck is parking in the driveway, so I can't pull out even if I tried to. Our baby's asleep, but now he has the keys to my car. I'm pretty sure he's been drinking. This is all, I'm really uncomfortable with all of this. So my brother's like, well, that's not cool. Um, you know, just, just go to bed. And I'm like, well, my brother's clearly not getting this. So I'm going to hang up the phone with him. Greta watches and waits. In her own words, she stews. All the while, Richard sits in his truck in her driveway, holding the keys to her now locked car. And by now, like probably a good hour has gone by. And he's just sitting, and I'm re- <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable at this point. Like I can't go to sleep, and so I uh, Google and call the uh, the county's um, non-emergency police line. I'm like I don't want to call nine one one. I just want to like talk to somebody and be like, hey, what should I do? How you know? Like I just want him to leave. Like you know, that's all I wanted. I just wanted the situ- I just wanted him to leave. I wanted the situation to end. So I call, and the lady's like, well, we'll send some officers out there. Oh, great. Okay. So, sure enough, a couple cop cars show up. Greta watches from within the house. So the officers come. There's two officers, I believe. Um, One officer is outside with Richard in the pickup, um, and then another officer comes in and speaks with me, and I just kind of reiterate everything. Like, he hasn't threatened me. He hasn't, you know, touched me. Like, we had, you know, we argued over the phone earlier, um, but, like, he took, you know, yeah, he took my keys, but, like, I don't need him arrested. I just want him to go home. Like, and at this point, I didn't even know where Richard was staying. He told me he was staying with one of our our friends in the next town down. But since I was working full time and taking our care of our toddler all the time, it wasn't like I could like go in the middle of the night and check on it. Like I did I I was just had to take all of this at face value. Still hoping to not wake their toddler, Greta quietly answers the officer's questions. And while I'm speaking with the officer in the home, the other officer has arrested Richard for harassment and domestic violence and apparently could have charged him with a DUI given the clear amount of alcohol that he was under the influence of. So I see them putting him in handcuffs and into the back of the squad car in our driveway. 
um, this is pretty upsetting. And I'm like, please don't arrest him. This doesn't help me. This really doesn't help my situation at all. But they, they, they you know, they, they have to. They can't, you know, just go by my wishes. Watching your, <laughs> your, your, your husband get put into a, into a cop car in the middle of the night is, is pretty upsetting and strange. Um, so all of this happens. It's kind of a long process. Everyone leaves and I'm, I'm like physically shaking and upset. And what are we going to do? And what's going on? Like, you know, I don't, I don't clearly understand. Like, I understand why they, why they arrested him, but I don't understand why Richard had come there in the first place that evening. I don't understand any of this. And so I kind of, I try to go to bed a couple times, but clearly can't sleep. And so I kind of, I think kind of to try to busy myself, I'm like, well, I'm just going to put Richard's truck away. I go outside and I, and I get in Richard's truck and, and I just remember being like, kind of like, almost like I was like saying goodbye to him. Kind of like, I remember it smelled like him and just like the, the baby car seat was still in the back and like, it just, it felt really sad and really weird to be in the pickup without him and, and to be in the driver's seat. Cause I didn't drive it that often. And so I turn on the truck and I put it in gear and I'm pulling it further down the drive and like we had a big, a big parking area back behind our house. So I'm pulling the truck and the trailer back in there. And it, but at this point it's like two in the morning and it didn't occur to me that Richard's cell phone of course, when he was arrested, they didn't let him take his phone. It's still in his truck and it's on the console and it starts ringing at two in the morning. And so I pick it up. I look, I look, I, you know, it, it's face down and I pick it up and it says, and I will never forget this, Missy. <laughs> it wasn't even a question. I just answered it. And I, <laughs> this is the smart ass in me, but I answered it as, instead of just hello, I said, Richard's wife here. <laughs> and this chick on the phone is like, where's Richard? Not like even freaked out that his wife has answered the phone and that she's calling some married man's phone at two in the morning, but where's Richard? And I said, who is this? And she said, it's Missy. And I said, are you fucking my husband? And she said, yeah, I have been. And I said, you realize he's still totally married? She said, yeah. And I said, you realize he has a two-year-old? We, we have a baby. And she goes, yep. And at that point, I couldn't even, like, I had nothing else to say. Like, there was nothing more I needed to know. And so I just hung up. And the the ballsy bitch called back. <laughs> Greta answers it again, and Missy tries to no avail to get Greta to tell her where Richard is, explaining how they were supposed to be camping that evening. And then it's over. Or at least, this part of the story is. Richard spends the weekend in jail, and so begins the next chapter of their painful divorce and all the paperwork and red tape that goes with it. But... It was right there in that pickup truck, in that thing where they'd had sex, that had taken them on romantic getaways, that had hauled the family around, where Greta got the answers. So that was how ultimately I found out where 
what had been going on, why he had left, didn't want to be married, where he had been staying, this like whole five months of whatever or whatever it had been, February to July, months of lies and him in and out, like was all because he had met this woman. Before she gets out of the truck, Greta makes one more discovery. There was a loaded shotgun in the in the back of the truck, and he will always claim that it was um, because he was supposed to go camping. Here, Greta stops. She's concerned the story isn't enough about the truck. And maybe the truck is a little, uh, not even second fiddle, but seventh or eighth fiddle for this story. But for some reason, it, it's it's visceral. There's that word again. Visceral. More after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Interviewing someone on a story like this can be tough. Because it's such a painful, emotionally traumatic experience for who you're speaking with, it almost seems cruel to ask them for more details. But Greta was open and encouraged me to ask anything. So I had some follow-ups for her. First off, he came to her house in the middle of the night, locked her car and took her keys, refused to speak with her, and then just sat there in the driveway. What was his plan? What was the end game? What was the strategy? What was the plan with the taking your keys and locking your car? What was he doing? Did you ever figure that out? Um, he figured that I would uh, try to take our son and leave. Even though, so the way our driveway worked, there wouldn't really have been a way for me to go around him. Um, that's, that just kind of points to like the lack of clear thinking he was experiencing at the time but um yeah he he was feeling i think i think it just displays he was feeling an extreme lack of control over himself over his life over his position with his child like he knew he had gotten himself into like a really bad position and i think he was just grasping at straws to feel some sort of sense of control in the moment when this is happening, you were talking about the apprehension you felt about calling the police. I don't want to call 911. Like, I don't want him to be arrested. That makes it hard. I think people might hear this and wonder, wow, why would you hesitate for a second? Why wouldn't you just call 911 and then celebrate when you saw him getting hauled away? Where is that coming from? You know, it's really funny you say that because I imagine that there probably would be some people that would think that. But there's probably my my brain goes automatically to the to the thought to the to the alternative thought that's like why didn't you just go talk to him why didn't you just invite him in why didn't you you know what i mean like the you know the other the other swing of the pendulum um i am just going to cut in for a moment here to point something out notice here that she blames herself for not trying to engage with him but i got a copy of the police report for fact checking purposes and in fact as previously mentioned in this story she actually did try to talk to him, but it was him who had refused. Still, 
As time has passed, her memory of this has faltered, and she places the onus on herself for the lack of communication that night. And and I guess since I didn't go into a lot of detail about um, how kind of contentious and and volatile the relationship had become over the course of the months leading up to that night, um, is why I didn't feel like it was in anyone's best interest to go out and, and just like walk up to the truck and have a conversation. But that's also the reason why she didn't want to see him arrested. Their relationship was already contentious enough. Greta feared that involving the law might only result in more volatility and complications. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One of the things that's so difficult for me about this story is how much of the weight Greta carried. There's the obvious ways, like how she tried to fix the marriage, how she was raising their child with little help, while also working full-time and even taking on a second job to make ends meet. But then there's the burden of the other stuff, like when he shows up in the middle of the night, locking her out of her car, blocking the driveway. She's still thinking about two other people, not just their two-year-old, but him, what will make him the least upset. And to think that even now she doubts herself for not just trying to talk to him, even when the police report says she did. This same kind of thing comes up later on when she tells me what she thinks is a funny side note. I have this really vivid recollection before this night happened. Um, It must have been maybe April or May. Um, because he would he would come and go. He would he would be like, I miss you, I'm sorry, I just needed a break, what you know, whatever, have some kind of weird, vague excuse and would like come home for a night or two and everything would be great. And then he would like disappear again. And we would go to counseling and he would come for a few sessions and then he wouldn't show up and he but he would never really talk. And so it was just like this uh, it was torture for months. But there was one um moment when we were both at the house um I was going to have lunch with a girlfriend and so he had come to stay with our son and we were talking and it and for some reason it had never occurred to me that he that he might be cheating like until this afternoon like it popped into my head and I was like give me your phone and he was like what and I was like let me see your phone and he was like okay and he pulled it out of his pocket and handed it to me. And I instantly felt like an asshole. And I was like, oh my God. Like, clearly, if you're just willingly handing over your phone, you have nothing to hide. I shouldn't even, like, complicate the story by, like, bringing this into it. Like, I apologize. And I didn't even look through it. Had I done that, I probably would have discovered it then. And Saved us all a lot of time or whatever, but <laughs> I didn't, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. But let's get back to that night. I was curious about the weapon. While some people can't imagine driving around with a loaded gun, let alone owning one at all, here in the States, there's quite a gun culture. So I was curious, was she surprised that there was a loaded shotgun in the truck, or was that a normal thing for him? It was a surprise. Um, we didn't, I mean, we had guns in the home. I grew up hunting. Um, I have my own shotgun still to this day. Um, at one of our anniversaries, I purchased him like a, an antique six shooter revolver. Like, so, I, I mean, we weren't like, you know, like crazy gun fanatics, but like we had three or four guns in our home. Um, but I guess I didn't realize that he had taken one out of the home when he left. 
like no and it wasn't like a common thing to like so this <laughs> this is so messed up but I've you, do you remember that terrible story that happened like a year ago in in Frederick Colorado where that guy Christopher Watts like killed his wife and his kids like there was something about the, I mean you those story unfortunately those stories are not super uncommon like white guy kills his family something about that story was so eerily similar to mine where like they had little kids there was strain in the marriage he had been cheating he showed up to like talk with her like it was all like it was too much of a mirror and nothing did happen nothing happened everyone was safe no one was hurt everything was fine but like sometimes i just consider if he had had more to drink if i hadn't called the police if i had confronted him and we fought what could have happened you know what i mean like i was statistically way more likely to be killed by my estranged cheating drunk shotgun wielding husband than I am by anything else. Like, it's pretty odd to consider all of those things. When we come back, pickup trucks. In discussing this entire incident, I couldn't help but notice that what made Greta emotional wasn't her discussing the love they shared, or remembering when he inexplicably announced he no longer wanted to be married, or recalling that frightening moment when she saw that he'd locked her car and taken her keys. It was when she was describing the truck that she cried. So I asked her. I noticed that like in telling this very intense story and this very heartbreaking story, I mean, this you were married to this man. He's the father of your child. Um, and you said there's real love between you guys. It was in describing the feeling of being in the truck that broke you in that moment where you, you, you cried. Where Yeah. What was it about the truck that you think makes that the inflection point for you? That's a really good question. Um, uh, it's so funny. Like Richard is, um, he's definitely like a man that is intentional, whether he realizes it or not about how he presents himself. Um, like he's, he's a good looking guy and he dresses a certain way. And he's always like, even when he's casual, he's like super put together um, and his, his vehicles are always like an extension of that. Like they're like, they're not just a tool for, um, transportation. I feel like they're like just as much of an accessory and part of who he is as like his cowboy hat or his tan, or do you know what I mean? Like they're like, they're really, he, he, you like the way he is with his vehicles, they, they are like an extension of his expression of himself and like his identity. Um, and I think uh, I took in going back to what I was saying about um, associating pickup trucks with like uh, traditional masculinity. I think I, I associated a lot of like safety and protection with that. Like he could always like come tell me he could, if I got stuck, he could get me out. If we needed to haul something we ha we could like, it was like, it was like a little bit of like a superman thing. Like with that truck, I would never, there would never be a problem that couldn't be solved. And it was like, 
that all kind of got washed away and, and that silly um, notion that I had was was destroyed kind of in that moment, I think. Nothing could protect me and that truck didn't matter. So, after a life filled with positive associations and then this completely horrible one, what does Greta think of pickup trucks now? Um, I don't... I don't love them very much anymore. <laughs> and I and I don't think I've, I have not... In, in the six plus years now that I've been single, I have not um, dated a man that drives a pickup truck. <laughs> the marriage is long over, but they are still bound by their child. I, of course, want Greta to be okay, so I tell her that even though I'm changing names and a few minor details, there's always a chance it might get back to Richard, and he might hear it. So with that in mind, I ask, is this something that... Is, do you Are you sure you want to move forward with the story, or is this going to be totally. provocative? No, I don't care. It's, I'm totally fine with it. I didn't say anything that's not true, and I'm totally, I'm 100% good with it. It's kind of cathartic. Thanks so much for listening to Tempest. The show is written, hosted, and produced by me, David Obachowski. I also do the music along with my very good friend and collaborator, Kenny Appel. The theme song is by Distant Correspondent. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any questions or compelling car stories, I want to hear from you. Get me via email, tempest at tempestpodcast.com, or find me on Twitter at tempestpodcast, as well as at David O from NJ. That's David O from NJ as in New Jersey. Visit the show on the web, tempestpodcast.com. Thanks so much, and I'll be back with you next week. <laughs>